And here we go. I am Matt. This is the Anarchist Investor. It is February 20th. Hold on. Let me turn off my own feedback here. <laughs> it is leap day. Uh, we are coming at you live, usually every single day at 12 Eastern. I am early today because I have a kind of time. Uh, as the banner says, reminder, make sure to sub and hit the like, follow, uh, help me out. I want to talk contrarian investment, markets, economics, uh, and specifically how we can build wealth without necessarily getting too rolled up in the Wall Street casino uh, that keeps us under its thumb. Uh, all right, where do I want to start off? Here's where I'm going to start off. Today's big economic news, I guess, uh, that a lot of the media are talking about is the inflation report. So let's pull it up. Key inflation measure rose 0.4% in January, as expected, up 2.8% from a year ago. So the Fed supposedly targeting 2% inflation. Uh, we're still running hot. And in fact, this is a rise as compared to uh, the inflation number that we got at the end of last year, being the December number. Uh, the devil is always in the details. As I mentioned yesterday, I was certain they were going to massage the number. They massaged the number. It came out in line with expectations, right? Something to also remember is that the comps from last year are helping these numbers look better because inflation at a 2.8% interest or 2.8% rate means you're paying 2.8% more than you did last year. And last year, you paid 9% more than you did the year before, right? So like when we add all together, your life isn't exactly getting much better now, is it? Things aren't getting cheaper, so to speak, right? A um, couple of things I want to point out here. In the number, uh, especially when you strip out uh, food and energy, the number re-accelerated. It went back up, okay? Uh, the Federal Reserve supposedly is against that. They don't want that to happen. So that's something that's going to work against the mythic rate cuts that everyone thinks are coming through sooner rather than later. Something to also mention is that energy is like the majority of what's holding that number lower. And so as we'll look when we go look at the charts, uh, as we'll see when we go look at the charts, energy hasn't exactly been headed down recently. So that's something to remember. And if you've filled up your gas tank anytime within the last couple of months, you've noticed that like six months ago, gas was cheaper. Right? So these things are all lagging uh, numbers and they're going to give you a skewed view of what's going on in the market. What are some of the other things I'm looking at? Uh, here's the one thing I want to talk about and we'll look at uranium. Uranium is not something that I've talked about in the past too much. Uh, but uh, everyone should definitely go give due diligence guy, and I would screw up his name in terms of the pronunciation, Lobo Tigre, Tigre uh, give him a follow over on X because he's a big uranium guy, big gold guy, big silver guy, big uranium guy, and uh, follows a lot of miners and what happens there. So uh, uranium, obviously, is one of the biggest components of nuclear fusion uh, and reactors and energy uh, generation. And uh, interestingly enough, the uh, environmental movement moved away from nuclear reactors a long time ago. And then they figured out that um, solar and wind and hydroelectric and all that other stuff wasn't going to have a big enough of a return to make an impact on the grid. And uh, in certain countries, they've actually, specifically Europe, and with what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, they are turning back to nuclear 
And I think that's going to be a continued trend into the future. Most people that are following, you know, that kind of dynamic, they're really calling for nuclear to be not maybe the solution, but a big you know, component of the overall environmental uh, movement and the energy needs of the world. Um, that was a little bit of a di diversion because I want to head back over to Zero Hedge and something else that came out in the personal consumption numbers was a increase, or I'm sorry, the PCE number was an increase in personal income, which surged 1% uh, and kept the uh, savings rate from crashing uh, in, in, in the number. That 1%, it turns out, came from government social benefits. Um, and so basically subsidies, handouts, you know, social uh, programs, those payments accounted for that big uh, difference in terms of whether or not it was a negative savings rate or a positive one. And uh, it turns out, obviously, that uh, those are just transfer payments. It's not, you know, that doesn't generate economic activity. And uh, anyone who's a fan of the broken window theory or whatever, uh, you can continue to follow around along this channel, but you're not going to hear a lot of support for, you know, that kind of idea. Um, transfer payments within the government do not create economic activity. They just don't. They just, uh, you know, move money from one place to another without necessarily doing an efficiency. In fact, the way government works, it's guaranteed not to be efficient. Uh, all right. The other big story that I'm following, or or at least I want to call attention to, is uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. If you're not familiar, he is the uh, former head of the FTX crypto exchange that essentially went belly up and cost people billions of dollars and ruined marriages and live, you know, uh, life savings and, and livelihoods and uh, a couple of banks. Uh, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried is calling for a shorter prison, prison sentence because apparently he has autism and we should be easy on him uh, that, you know, apparently autism uh, contributes to be a criminal uh, piece of crap, right? <laughs> like, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like, just because you stole money and then you have autism like connectors to you. I don't know. I'm autistic, so I took money from you. That doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, but so he's calling for a reduced sentence, and he wants something ridiculous, like five to six years, as opposed to the hundred years um, that he's facing as a result of those. And I just want to call attention to the double standard that happens within our world. This is the story of Ross Ulbrich. If you're not familiar with Ross, Ross was the Dread Pirate Roberts who ran the Silk Road. Um, it was based in the early days of Bitcoin and crypto. It was essentially a marketplace for everything, even things that were on the black and gray markets and everything like that. He did not facilitate those transactions. He simply created the marketplace and let people buy and sell whatever they wanted, um, as close to probably a free market as we've had in a long time. Uh, Ross was not obviously not uh, in the good graces of regulators and the law enforcement community because there were certain things that were happening on that marketplace that were not, uh, you know, society deems illegal. Uh, and so they decided to throw the book at Ross. And so Ross got double life. And as if two of his lifetimes being spent in prison wasn't enough, plus an additional three years. Okay. And if you notice, if you do this rundown, if you go to freeross.org, um, they have an entire rundown of all of the charges and convictions. And basically every single one of them, whatever the max was, that's pretty much what he got. Right. So they made an example of Ross so that other people knew not to. Uh, try and get away from the market that they wanted to make and the market that they wanted to regulate and control. I am not advocating for all of the things that were bought and sold on that platform. I'm simply showing you the difference in the treatment of these two. So pay attention. 
however many years that Sam Bankman-Fried gets, and by the way, Sam Bankman-Fried was making a ton of political campaign contributions. Uh, to my knowledge, Ross didn't really play in that ballpark. He wasn't really spending a lot of money on campaign contributions. So pay attention to that. You'll see that double standard play out. Just watch. Um, all right. So that's enough with news stories. I do want to get back to the chart. So let me stop the share here. And I have to put this different screen on for you. And we are starting with the party. The party continues. Inflation uh, apparently is under control, even though it's over 2%. Uh, and completely adding to the cost of everything that we added to it last year and the year before. The S&P indexes, all of the Wall Street indexes are pretty much up. They're loving that, you know, the number is moderating or whatever BS term that they want to throw onto it. Uh, something else to pay attention to. Oil, like I said, we were talking about essentially the price drop of energy contributing to this better than, you know, what looks better than I think is reality inflation number. Uh, oil over the last couple of months has actually been ticking up, right? Uh, gas prices have been ticking up. So those things take a little while. You got to remember, commodities markets are future pricing, right? They're, people aren't taking delivery of these things immediately. And so these prices filter through the economy, not immediately, but in a month, two months, three months, six months, okay? So this uptick from, say, beginning of December of last year, in oil prices, and I can even show it to you with the West Texas number, uh, it's not huge, but it's something. And the inflation numbers that they're reporting are better than expected or as expected include a net decrease year over year in energy prices. So that's something to keep in mind. All right. Something else I want to call attention to, obviously, we're always going to check into gold and silver. Well, guess what? Apparently, uh, moderating inflation uh, causes gold to go up. Does that make any sense? Uh, <laughs> no, not really, but gold's up. So uh, I actually tend to believe gold and silver markets, and I tend to believe fixed income markets way more than I believe the stock market and the casino that operates on, you know, on that side of the casino, right? Uh, a perfect example would be like the difference between, you know, the people that are playing blackjack versus the people that are playing craps, right? Craps you're betting, you know, to try and make uh, five extra money, 10 extra money, 100 extra money. You know, Blackjack, you're making, you know, one to one or one and a half to one, right? It's a little bit of a different marketplace, though it is still within the casino. But I'm still uh, looking at the paper gold market and it still looks strong. Um, I still anticipate that there is going to be some strength with gold continuing forward and we'll probably see a new high because the Fed will eventually begin to cut rates. And when that happens, obviously that allows inflation to creep back into the story. And that means that people begin to buy gold and silver as a hedge against that. And just really quickly, we're checking in on silver. Again, I wrote an article about uh, silver set to outperform gold, not necessarily go up more than gold, but outperform it, whether they go up or down. Um, that didn't really play out over the last couple of weeks. It's playing out today. Gold's up seven tenths. Silver's up about a full percentage point. I would expect that eventually to rectify itself because that gold to silver ratio right now is pretty high. Uh, it's still, you know, historically high. And so I would expect that gold to silver ratio to regulate itself and come back to the norm. Uh, all right. And the other thing I'm going to pull up here, don't mind the chart on the left, where uranium trades in the commodities market is completely crazy on a day-to-day -day basis. It's just basically point pricing um, or, you know, on an hour-to-hour -hour basis. But if you look at the chart on the right, the weekly uh, uranium had a huge run-up 
from April of last year uh, all the way to where it is now, essentially, you know, over a double and it's pulling back. Okay. So if you are looking to get involved in uranium, there are some ETFs and stuff like that. Again, you're giving your money to the casino in order to play that game, but you can get involved in uranium uh, by buying into some of those ETFs. And I would say have some caution. Dollar cost average, don't throw everything in all at once shot. This is a long-term kind of thing. So make sure to pay attention to it. All right, let's look at how fixed income is doing. Uh, Two-year and the 10-year are both down. We're still inverted. The fixed income markets are still showing that at least sometime in the future, there is a gigantic risk of recession in the US economy. Again, I'm not calling for an outright depression. I'm calling for this rolling recession kind of uh, setup where you know 10 years are just crappy, right? Doesn't mean there's not money to be made. Doesn't mean that you can't invest anywhere and you have to put all your money into a mattress and sit on it. But it's just gonna be, you know, we're not gonna have this kind of like up and to the right dynamic, I think that we've had over the last 20, 30 years in the US. Uh, just the way debt is playing out, how it's being restructured is not gonna allow that, okay? So something to keep in mind. So yeah, 210, the the uh, rates are down, which means people are buying those bonds, which means they're adding to their safety a little bit, um, which means they're still putting money to work in the market, but also that barbell effect, they're putting money to work in what they perceive as being these safe U.S. treasuries. The last thing in the fixed income market that I usually look at is high yield debt. HYG is how I look at it. It's an ETF. High yield debt is essentially the riskiest company. This is corporate debt. And when they borrow in the market, what does that debt look like, right? Is it high interest? Is it lower interest, right? Uh, how much leverage is in the market? That all factors into how valuable the high yield debt ETF goes. And typically what happens is the higher HYG goes up, that means people are taking more risk. They expect there to be more growth. They expect these companies that have to borrow lots of money at high interest rates will be able to make up the stagger because of growth and new revenues and investment and things like that. When it's falling, obviously the opposite is uh, what's anticipated. Uh, companies that can't meet their debt, debt burden, companies that can't borrow to not just expand, but borrow just to keep the doors open, right? We do have tons of zombie companies open today that have been facilitated by decades of uh, artificially depressed borrowing rates, right? There's been a debt bubble. That debt bubble needs to be restructured. What I'm watching right now is HYG is butting its head up against a very important, what has been a line of resistance dating back a couple of years now. Um, that line of resistance, if it's broken to the upside, that means risk on. And it's entirely possible that this bubble grows further, okay? And the further it grows, the more likely it is that we have a bad recession or a depression, right? If it pops tomorrow, it will be less bad, but still bad, but it'll be less bad than if it takes another six or 12 months of people piling money into the market and overvaluing things that shouldn't be overvalued, if that makes sense. So we're at a critical level here. We gotta see how this reacts. If the market decides that it's risk on and the party continues and we're going higher, then HYG will probably move higher and that'll be a good indicator of what the you know Wall Street casino sentiment is going on. And that will also inform our investments in other areas. All right, let's look at crypto. Bitcoin continues higher. Um, interestingly enough, I want to call your attention to this. Yesterday I'm live. I'm talking about Bitcoin. I'm talking about the fact that we're coming up to a level where I actually expect there to be a significant amount of resistance 
uh, because of prior buying habits and just were overbought. The relative strength in Bitcoin is like, you know, getting to the point where it's ridiculously high again. Um, and sure enough, like 30 minutes after I get off, if you could see this big red candle right here, what happens? Uh, Coinbase was taken aback because they didn't have enough Bitcoin to be able to satisfy all of the purchase behavior, all of the FOMOing that's happening right now. And so they literally shut down their own website to give themselves a breather. And people had zero balances showing and all kinds of other stuff. And look at this. This is just the world of crypto. This is why everyone's like, oh, buy. It just goes up. It just goes up. It just goes up. Really? Well, if you bought at 64, okay, and you got scared and shaken out because of this big red candle or whatever, right? Uh, if you bought at 64,000, this candle within minutes went down to 58,000. That's like an over an 8% drop. So your money was immediately worth, you know, 8% less. Your Bitcoin was worth 8% less in seconds. Okay. Now play that out. Right now we're still in a bull run, right? So play that out. Things that go up fast typically go down. So just remember that you have to risk manage yourself. And in that vein, I actually uh, wrote an article today talking about what is Bitcoin? What's the value of it? How do we even decide whether or not Bitcoin is currently undervalued or overvalued and it's accurately valued? Most maxis, and they're probably going to be pissed at me for it, most maxis are going to say, it's undervalued. And I could be like, well, what if Bitcoin was 100000 today or 150000 today? They'd still be like, it's undervalued. It's undervalued. That's ridiculous. That's completely outside of the realm of rational thinking. Okay? To think something is worth infinite dollars just because you have a bone to pick with the fiat currency system is not rational. Do I agree that fiat currency is basically toilet paper and that there are other things that should displace it? Yes. Does that mean it's going to happen tomorrow? No. Does that mean that everything that's a possible alternative is worth infinite dollars? No, not in the slightest. If not, I'd be pounding the table and be like, gold should be worth $100,000 an ounce right now. Should it be? Maybe. But the price is what the market says it is with all of the regulation and all the manipulation involved, right? We're also in a, a manipulated market right now for Bitcoin because of the ETF, right? The ETF is providing a lot of things, it's providing easier access to Bitcoin than has ever been had before. So people that were never buying Bitcoin are now buying it, regardless of what the price of the value is. They have no clue, right? And then you also have all the Wall Street types that are using this as exit liquidity. And if you're not familiar with the concept of exit liquidity, it's essentially what happens when you have a big stake in something, you have a big gain, and you got to get out of it. But if no one's buying, you selling causes the price to drop dramatically. So if you can manufacture a lot of demand at that really high price, you could sell all your stuff and lock in that gain. Okay. Uh, I also got people online telling me, no, don't sell, don't sell, don't sell, just buy, just buy, just buy, right? It's ridiculous, right? Because could Bitcoin be around in 10 years is a question that no one seems to ask, right? It might be, it might be worth a million dollars in 10 years, or it might be worth zero and not even exist anymore because something else comes along the way and displaces it. Check out that article, sub to the Substack. Link is down in the description. Definitely check it out. Um, but Bitcoin continues to move higher. We're still just below that kind of like 66 to 68, 69,000 region where I think you're going to reach a lot of resistance. I think you're going to see a lot of people taking profit at that level. And I still fully expect this in some way, shape, or form to pull back down to this longer-term support line. And remember, this support line is what we're moving off of. Ever since, like, September of last year, we've completely blown away this, this line of support. 
things typically revert back to the mean and reversion back to the mean means that Bitcoin is going to have to take a breather. Does it fall back to, you know, 40 or 45K? I think so. I think we have to revisit some of these levels that we push through without really testing them for a while. Okay. Uh, and if, and truthfully, if you are a Bitcoin maximalist, that's what you want, right? Like ultimately the value of an investment has to be tried and tested. And that's why things that go up really fast come down really fast because all those different price points all along the way, those things have to be evaluated and tested for what the supply and demand are at each one of those levels. If we just go up and to the right, there's no testing. It's just people that are throwing darts at a dartboard and, you know, what's the, what's the value of it? Oh, it's a million dollars a coin, right? It's probably not. And in fact, might it be one day? Sure. Is it now? Not likely, right? And so somewhere between zero and a million dollars a coin is a number that makes sense. And you have to test all of those price levels. We tested that kind of like 40,000 to 46,000 range for a couple of weeks. That's decent price discovery. Okay. But now we've gone all the way up to, you know, 63,000 now, 64 we touched at the height of it. Okay. That's a huge move, right? I mean, like you're, you're talking, you know, 30, 40% move. It doesn't make very much sense to be, you know, something is worth 40% uh, less, you know, three months ago. And we just went directly to 40% more without really any material changes in the marketplace, right? The ETF isn't really a material change. It's not like more people are buying things with Bitcoin because there's an ETF. It's just more people have access to buying Bitcoin, okay? And so the demand for the thing isn't necessarily backed up by anything other than just getting more people access to be able to transact and buy the thing. Now, what do they do with it? Sit on it, okay? That's the question that has to be answered and no one has answered it yet. And we probably won't answer it for a number of years yet. All right. Um, definitely check out that. All right. I'll get down off my soapbox. Some other things to look at. Uh, ETH continues to move higher. ETH is uh, outpacing the gains in Bitcoin, at least on a percentage basis. And that goes in line with Bitcoin dominance flatlining or maybe even kind of trailing down a little bit. So Ethereum continues to kind of make up that stagger and, and uh, really bring in some a lot of money. And again, because there's supposedly imminent an ETF that's going to be coming into Ethereum. You can ride that wave if you want to trade, okay? If you're an investor, like an actual investor, you buy things when they're undervalued. I do not think ETH is undervalued. I think just because an ETF is coming out and there's going to be artificial demand, that they're, you know, that doesn't make it undervalued. That just means the value is going to continue, or the price is going to continue to go up. Okay, you could trade that if you want, but you have to have good risk management because that thing can reverse right back to the mean. You could be holding a negative bag in that case, right? So just something to keep in mind. Uh, Solana up 11%. The altcoins are really starting to move here. And again, this is on the back of the same momentum that's pushing Bitcoin and ETH higher. Um, again, I'm mining IoT and converting it into Solana. I'm happy with that. I don't have a huge amount, but it grows by like a buck plus whatever the coin goes up every single day, right? I'm happy with that. 30 bucks a month, I'm stacking. Uh, and you know what? It's not a huge amount of my overall portfolio. It's just a small piece, but you know what? One day it might be worth something, right? Or a lot more than it is now. 
Uh, and also I want to call attention to Hive. This is, I talked about this yesterday on the live. Hive is continuing to kind of move around within this trading range. Uh, I haven't really vis revisited the Hive ecosystem in a while. Dude, they added some amazing things. There's actually a marketplace on Hive. You can use Hive to directly peer-to-peer uh, -peer buy products and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of it's, you know, apparel and kind of like um, almost Etsy-type stuff. But that's fine, right? Like, you can also buy art and stuff like that on there. Um, it's a direct marketplace where you can use Hive to transact, okay? Uh, that's amazing. That's absolutely incredible. So I would definitely check out Hive. It's hive.io. Check out the e ecosystem. Uh, and I also have some legacy videos on the YouTube channel and some of the other outlets that I have uh, a channel on that talk about Hive as an introduction, how to get on it, what's available on there, what you could do, et cetera, et cetera. So definitely check that out. All right. So that's the last of it in terms of the charts um, and my little diatribe about uh, investing in Bitcoin and whether or not that's a good idea. That being said, uh, I think I'm going to book it today. So uh, again, join me every day at noon. Uh, we uh, chat about the markets, contrarian investor, and uh, throw me some comments, questions, investment ideas, feedback. If you're a maxi, tell me I'm a freaking idiot and let's talk about it. Um, I want to hear contrarian views because that's the way that you find the, the undervalued things that everyone else is undervaluing. That's the way you find that that gold, so to speak, and are able to profit from it or at the very least invest your money and keep it safe and, and see it grow over time without running the risk of other people that are trying to make money off of your back, not giving you very much of the proceeds. Uh, and essentially they get wealthy and you don't. Um, or they just outright steal it from you, which is what a lot of the system is built on these days. So with that, uh, I want to say have a very good day. I appreciate you all. Uh, uh, peaceful day for the rest of you. And I hope that I see you tomorrow at noon. Have a good one.